I want to ask you a question this morning. You can just, uh, you can raise your hand. You don't have to. Uh, the question is this. Have you ever worried about your future? Anybody ever worried about their future? Not very many people. Okay, good. Um, y'all can go home then. Uh, y'all don't need today's message. Y'all are uh, perfect. So I knew you would be. Um, I, I would say this. Probably one of the most... Uh, Things that causes, a lot of times I would say the most fear, the most anxiety, or the most worry in our life is this truth that you have no clue what tomorrow holds. Uh, Solomon, the, the great wisdom writer, writes this in Proverbs. He says, do not boast about tomorrow. He says, for you do not know what the day will bring. Isn't that crazy that that truth, there's not a single person in this room, you have no clue what tomorrow holds for you. Isn't that scary? Literally anything can happen tomorrow. You're like, James, thanks for depressing me today. Uh, just think about tomorrow. You could wake up tomorrow, and tomorrow you could receive the best news you've ever received in your entire life. Tomorrow you could wake up and realize that you've won a million dollars. Tomorrow you could wake up to recognize maybe somebody, you or somebody in your life that was sick, is no longer sick anymore because they've been healed by God. You could wake up and receive literally the best news in the entire world tomorrow, or you could wake up tomorrow and receive the worst news you've ever heard. I hope none of this happens, but literally tomorrow you could wake up and realize you no longer have a job. You could wake up tomorrow and realize that you thought financially things were stable and recognize it's not. Tomorrow you could find out that someone is sick. Maybe you were sick, that you get a phone call. Maybe you wake up tomorrow and the stock market and the financial market in America has crashed. You wake up tomorrow and figure out that we're going to war tomorrow. I mean, just think about it. Literally anything can happen tomorrow, and you have no clue what tomorrow holds. That, that, to me, as I think about that, that kind of uh, startles me a little bit. It, it causes me to be concerned a little bit just to know this, that I have no clue. I have uncertainty about tomorrow. Now, what's interesting is when we turn to the book of 1 Peter, this is exactly the situation in the, the, really what the people are walking through in the book of 1 Peter. It's Peter writes. If you were here last week, one of the things that we looked at in establishing First Peter is these people were under immense persecution. These people in First Peter uh, literally did not know if tomorrow would be their last day to take a breath. There was immense and growing persecution against people who called themselves believers. They would wake up. They didn't know if they had lost their job that day. They didn't know if persecution was waiting for them and their families. They had no clue what the next day held. But one of the things that I love and one of the things that Paul, or excuse me, Peter, as he writes to these people, one of the things that he encourages them is this, that no matter what tomorrow holds, you still have hope today. And one of the things, if you take notes this morning, really the main idea that I hope you see this morning is this, is that today you can have hope no matter what tomorrow holds. Today you can have hope. You can live with hope today no matter what tomorrow holds. No matter if tomorrow you receive the worst news in the entire life today in the person of Jesus Christ, you can have hope today. Look, here's what I know. I, I know that y'all, y'all are looking great today. You got nice clothes on. You probably went and spent a fortune on them. and You're looking all nice. Kids are looking nice. Your hair's groomed. You came here today. And look, everything's nice. If I were to come up to you, you'd probably say, hey, look, life's great. But here's what I recognize. Even though you may look good and all that kind of stuff, you probably walked in here with things going on in your life. That literally this week, you could have received the worst news you've ever received. This week, you could have lost someone that you love. This week, you could have found out that someone, you or someone in your life is sick. That literally, you could walk in here. And I would say that there are people here today that are starving and looking for hope. Do you, do you realize that? That in our entire world, it doesn't matter where you go, is in desperate search for hope. 
I, look, we would agree. You can turn on the, the TV. Very, you can just leave it on just for a little bit. And you can see that our world is starving for hope. It seems like the world is just growing darker and darker as the days uh, grow. And one of the things is that people are in desperate need of hope. And my prayer, uh, as I was praying this week, studying the text this week, my prayer is that you would recognize today, if nothing else, if you sleep the rest of the sermon, that in the person of Jesus Christ you can have hope today. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what happens tomorrow, you can have hope because our King is resurrected. And I hope you see that truth this morning. I hope if you're this morning, if you come in here and you don't have the hope of Jesus, I hope you would leave with it. If you came in here and you do believe in Christ, my prayer is that your hope and your faith would be increased today and you would recognize and marvel and worship because your God has given you hope. This morning, we're going to look at that, the idea of hope. So you should have your Bible turned to 1 Peter. We're going to look in verse 3 and read 3 through 5. And then we'll just draw several points this morning from this passage. Peter writes this. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Three points this morning I just want to point out to you. First one, if you take notes, is this. Jesus is the source of true hope. Jesus Christ is the source of true hope. There's a lot of things in this life that promise hope. There are a lot of things that assure you that they can give you hope. But I want you to know this very clearly this morning. There's only one thing that offers true hope. There's only one thing that can give you a living hope, and it's the person of Jesus Christ. Only in Him do we find our hope. Peter writes this, and I love how Peter starts this. One of the things that everything is going to hinge on is the resurrection in this passage. But here's what I love. Peter knows what he's about to write. Peter knows what he's about to say to his people. And here's what's interesting is he actually, before he writes anything, it's kind of like he jumps the gun and gets ahead of himself and he just starts worshiping. He doesn't start out immediately with reminding them of their hope or of, of the resurrection. He starts off this way. Look in verse 3. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, And then he says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope from the dead because Jesus Christ was resurrected. I love this. He starts off and he begins in worship because here's the truth. Because of Jesus Christ, because of what he's done, because of the resurrection, it should cause us to worship. He starts off this way. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessing, honor, glory, power be to Jesus because of what he's done on the cross and through the resurrection. One of the things I was convicted about this week, I was reading a a blog or an article this week on the internet, and this is convicting for me because, as you know, in church life, this is a big deal, the resurrection, and so Easter Sunday is always a big Sunday, and so ministers were usually scrambling around, make sure everything's ready, and and as I was reading it, it it gave this, this advice for ministers, and it says this, don't get so caught up in Easter, in the, the dressing, in the getting ready for Easter, that you forget yourself to worship because of what Jesus Christ has done. I want to pose this question to you. When's the last time that you've blessed the Lord for what He's done for you? This isn't bad by any means, because we see in Scripture we can do this. But but think about this. A lot of times we're always praying for God's blessing on us, but when is the last time we've actually turned around and blessed Him? I'm thankful God blesses us. 
I'm thankful that we can pray for His blessing on our life. But here, and I was thinking about this in my own life, think how selfish we are. That many times we're so always asking and praying for God's blessing on us, but when is the last time we've turned around and blessed Him? When's the last time we've turned around and worshipped Him and glorified Him and responded in obedience to Him because of what He's done for us? This is what Peter, right at the very beginning, starts with. It's like he gets carried away and he says, you know what, before I tell you the truth, let me just worship for a second and then I'll get back to the truth. Because this truth, if there's any truth in the world, it's that Jesus Christ's resurrection should cause us to worship. It should cause us to praise. It should cause us to bless Him. Notice what he says next. He, he starts with this praise and then he says this, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. One of the things He says is the reason, the motivation why you can be saved, the reason why Jesus was resurrected, all comes down to the motivation of God's mercy. The only reason that you and I can be born again, the only reason that you and I can be saved is because God had mercy on you. It's not because you deserve it, because here's the truth, you don't deserve it. It's not because you're cool. It's not because where you were born. It's not because who your family is. The only reason you and I have the ability to be born again and to be in relationship with Christ is because of His mercy He showed you. Friday night we saw uh, a movie, The Apostle Paul. Some of you may have gone to see this movie. One of the things that struck me about Paul in the movie is how humble Paul always was. He had nothing to boast about. Why? Because he knew he didn't deserve it. He knew the amazing mercy that God had showed him, and he never lived his life in pride, in arrogance. Why? Because he recognized this truth. The motivation, the reason why God calls us to be born again, the reason why the resurrection is this truth, that God loves you. You know what's crazy is there's people in the whole entire world that have never heard that. Isn't that crazy to think about? That there are people, and here's, there could be somebody even this morning that as you walk in this place that you need to be reminded of this truth that God loves you. The only motivation for God to save you is because He loved you. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why. It's strictly because He loved you. He says this is the motivation. Look what he says next. He says, according to His great mercy, and he says this, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He uses this word to be born again. This is similar to the language that Jesus talks about. If you remember in John 3, John, uh, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And he says, hey, look, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, he says, you've got to be born again. Of course, Nicodemus responds, as, well, that doesn't make sense. How can I enter the womb a second time? And Jesus is like, you're missing it. I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. In a sense, it's saying because... In order for us to be a follower of Jesus, we have to be born again. Meaning this, the word here could be translated to be regenerated. Meaning this, that you and I were dead in our sins and what we need is a new heart. That's all what the scripture speaks about is that you and I in our hearts do not have the desire to follow God. We don't have the will. We don't have the ability to follow God. And here's what we need more than anything else is our hearts need to be made new. We need to be given new hearts that seek not to revel in ourselves or our sin, but we need a new heart to be restored. We need a new heart. He says this, here's the benefit of being born again into Christ is this, that you are given a living hope. You're giving a hope that does not disappoint. You're giving a hope that will never fail you. You're born again to a living hope. And I love, he says, and here's the hinge of everything. You've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The reason why you and I can have a living hope is because Jesus Christ is no longer in the grave. 
This is the reason why he is the source of all hope. Is he did what dead men should not do. And that is get up and walk out of the tomb. Think about this. There's never been a dead man in all of history or a dead woman or anybody that's ever stood up and walked out of a grave, walked out of a tomb. You've never seen that before. Maybe on a movie. But nowhere else have you seen someone who's dead get up and walk out. That's what Jesus Christ did. He got up and literally walked out. And because of this, we know this truth that he conquered sin and death. The greatest obstacle that you and I have in our life is sin and death. A hundred percent of humanity has always died. It's a truth that none of us can escape. Every one of us, we will die. And here's what's amazing, and here's why Jesus Christ is the only source of all hope, is because He conquered it. Because the greatest obstacle, our sin, our death, He came and He was resurrected and He conquered it. Jesus Christ is the only source of hope today, tomorrow, and forever. So, let me pose a question for you. The question is this. Where are you placing your hope? I could say the question this way. What is the source of your hope? Uh, Meaning this, when things go bad in your life, when things aren't what you would like them to be, when you walk through difficult things, what is it that gives you hope? What is it that makes you feel better? What is it that even though things aren't always right that you're saying, well, this at least cheers me up. This, in a sense, gives me hope. Now, we know we're in church, so we know what the right answer is, right? It's Jesus. But I want to press just a little bit in our life. Because here's what I recognize even in my own heart. That theoretically we can say that we hope in Jesus, but functionally and actually in our life we actually look to something else really to give us hope. Let me give you an example. If you were to Google right now, don't Google, just trust me, okay? If you were to Google right now and you were to Google how to have security or how to have hope for the future, you know what the number one thing is going to come up? How to have financial security. Think about this. One of the things that gives us the greatest comfort or the greatest discomfort is how much money sits in our bank account. Have you ever felt like that before? Like, have you ever looked at your bank account and be like, okay, I feel okay today? And then you look at the next day and you're like, I don't feel okay today? <laughs> have you ever done that? I don't mean to pick on money because money is not bad, but here's what I find even in my own heart. For many of us, usually the greatest sense of security for the future we have is based on our finances. For many people, they say, you know what, my hope is in Jesus, but really many times our hope is in our bank account. Many times our hope is actually in that. Maybe your hope is in health. That maybe that's where your hope is found, maybe in health. Maybe your hope is found in success. That maybe your success or succeeding in life, maybe that's where you find ultimate hope. Maybe it's grades. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's a degree. Maybe it's a title. Maybe it's an institution. Maybe it's a government. Maybe it's a person. I'm not sure, but here's what I know of all of us. Every one of us finds hope somewhere. You can't just like opt out and say, I don't have hope in anything. That's not true. Every single person here, you hope for something. There's something that you hope for. There's something that holds you to. There's something that you find in your life. That you say, well, I, I don't really know what's going on in my life, but at least, I can, 
At least I can hold on to this. Maybe it's family. I'm not sure what it is, but all of us find hope somewhere. And here's what I hope that you see this morning. While some of these things are good, some of these things aren't necessarily bad, none of these things can give you hope. The only thing that can give you true and lasting hope is the person of Jesus. Nothing else can give you hope. Every other thing gives you this false sense of hope. It promises hope. It promises to give you comfort. It promises to make you at ease no matter what you go through your life. But here's the reality. The only thing that can truly give you hope is Jesus. Because Jesus is the source of all hope, because of the resurrection, because of what we celebrate today, here's the truth. You can have hope today. My question, though, is what do you put your hope in? You know, it'd be easy to think that since everyone walked into church today that you place your hope in Jesus. But I know that's probably not true. That there are people that you walked into this place that your hope is not in Jesus. You could say that it is. But the reality is for many of you, you may have walked into this place and some of you may could have walked in this place and you have no hope today. I was thinking about the uh, disciples. Can you imagine if you were a disciple after the crucifixion? That'd be a bummer, wouldn't it? That is an understatement, right? You just gave up your life for this guy, and now he's in a tomb. Actually, you see a lot of them actually just went back to what they were doing. They just went back fishing. Obviously, on the third day, though, they recognized the truth that Jesus had taught them over and over again, that death was not the end. That They still had hope, even though things looked dark. The same thing is for you and I, that you and I, the source of hope is Jesus. That leads us to our next point, and that's this. Number two, your hope is secure despite what happens tomorrow. Your hope is secure despite what happens tomorrow. The reason why Jesus Christ is the only source of true hope is because this truth. There is nothing that can happen to you tomorrow that will destroy your hope in Jesus today. Literally nothing. That's why all these other things, none of these things are true. a true place to find your hope is because that they can be destroyed. They're not secure. I, I love this truth. Your hope is secure today no matter what happens to you tomorrow. Look what Peter says. He goes on he says this. He says that you've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In verse 4 he says this. You've been born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. He says what he says. Since you've been born again, you've now been given an inheritance, a share, a portion in Jesus Christ. And he says you've been given this inheritance and understand this truth. It is secure in Christ. He uses three words to describe this. I want to look at these three words. He says this. Your inheritance is imperishable. Now, this word means this. It means to uh, not be corruptible. It means not able to be destroyed. Now, I want you to think about this. Just about everything that we can think about in our life can be destroyed. This is why there's no other thing except Jesus that's a good source of hope. Why? Because everything can be destroyed. Like literally anything that you could hold dear today can be destroyed tomorrow. I, well, let me say this. I hope it's not for you. 
Okay, so please understand. I hope it's not. But literally anything can be destroyed tomorrow. And here's what he's saying is, but the hope that we have in Jesus, the inheritance we have in Christ, nothing can destroy it. It's completely secure. Nothing can touch it. Nothing can go to it. The next word, he says this, that it's also undefiled. Meaning this, that it's unstained or unpolluted by sin. Can you imagine a place that is no longer polluted or tainted by sin or evil? You know, I've met different people and talked with several people. I remember one of the big objections that some people have about God, that some people say, you know, I don't know if God really exists. One of the main reasons is because the evil exists in our world. A lot of people will say this, you know, I don't believe that there's a God, mainly because there's a lot of evil that takes place in our world. And we would agree with that, wouldn't we? There's a lot of evil things that take place on a constant basis in our world. And then people say, look, if God is really that good, if God is really that awesome, why didn't he get rid of evil? He has. That's what the resurrection, everything hinges on the resurrection. Do you understand this, that he has provided a way? One day there's going to be a place that is no longer tainted by sin. People say, well, why hadn't he done it? He has already done something. 2,000 years he did something about it. Now people say, well, why isn't he doing it now? Because he's gracious, gracious and patient, allowing more people to come to know him. Some people say, well, he just needs to do it now. Well, if he did it now, a lot of people, more people would go to hell. I love this about Jesus. He may be taking a long time in coming back, but he's taking a long time because he's patient with us. He wants as many people to know about his grace and his goodness. Why? Because one day he's going to make it all right. One day sin and evil, all of that will be gone. Can you imagine what a world would be like with no evil in it? He's saying, hey, guess what? Your inheritance and your hope is no longer going to be polluted by sin anymore. It's indestructible and it's no longer tainted or affected by sin anymore. He goes on, he says the third, he says this, it's also unfading. Meaning it will never fade, it will nev- nev- uh, never wither. Uh, it brings about this picture of a flower. Uh, these flowers are really pretty down here. But if they don't receive water, um, they're going to wither and die. That's what flowers do. If they're not taken care of, if it becomes cold, whatever it may be, flowers wither. And here's what he's trying to get at. Flowers wither, clothes wither, all these things wither and fade away. But he says this, your hope in Jesus will never fade away and it will never wither. Notice what he says after this. He says, and it's kept in heaven for you, meaning this. It is guarded, it is preserved in heaven for you. This inheritance, this hope that you have is kept in heaven and nothing can touch it. Let me pose you a question. What do you think is the most secure place in the whole entire world? Anybody have a guess of what's the most secure place in the world? Well, you can Google it, and, uh, and you can Google, and it'll throw up different things. And so there's multiple places, but one of the most secure places is Fort Knox. So, uh, you know, this is where most of America's gold is held. This is a very fortified place. I was reading about Fort Knox. Uh, it sits, all the gold and everything sits behind a 22-ton door. Pretty secure door. Uh, the vault, so there's multiple places that you enter into Fort Knox. There are different codes. There are 10 different people that have codes to get in. Each person only knows their section of the code, so it's not like the other person knows the other. So you have to have all 10 consecutively, but neither of them know each other's codes. So you've got to have all these 10 guys if you want to get in. If that's not enough, which that's a lot, 
They have the Apache helicopters that are sitting outside. They have tanks that are sitting outside. They have fences. They have guards. They have concrete-lined granite walls. They have alarm systems that surround the whole place. This is probably one of the most secure places in all the earth. Uh, You're not going to get in there without a fight. And uh, you most likely will die, probably, if you try to break into Fort Knox. But we know this truth, too, is that obviously it could be destroyed. Uh, It seems secure. Uh, It is very secure. But we know this, that what we have and the hope we have in Christ is way more secure than Fort Knox. I want you to think about this truth just for a second. We said this earlier, there's a lot that could happen tomorrow. You realize there's nothing that could happen tomorrow that will ever affect your inheritance in Jesus. You know how encouraging that is for people that are suffering? You know how encouraging that is for the people that Peter's writing to? That literally they don't know if tomorrow will be their last day. And here's what Peter's assuring them. Please know this. You have a hope that is secure that nothing can touch. There's nothing that can affect your hope that you have in Jesus. There's nothing that could come against you. There's nothing that anyone could threaten you with. There's nothing that anyone could do to touch your hope that you have in Jesus. Why? Because God is reserving it, preserving it, guarding it for you in heaven, and nothing can touch it. I don't know what to today, I don't know what necessarily you're walking through today in your own life. But if you're a believer in Jesus, I hope that gives you some hope today. No matter what you're walking through today or what you'll walk through tomorrow, there's nothing that can ever touch your inheritance you have in Jesus. And since this is what Paul's saying, this is why as believers we are to be the most hopeful people in the entire world. When everything goes crazy, no matter how bad it is, the believers should rise up and say, well, at least I got hope. Why? Because I know my future is secure. There's nothing that could happen tomorrow that will affect it. There's nothing that will happen today that will affect it. My my hope and my security in Jesus is completely secure. But there's even more good news, and that's number three is this. Is that God will be guarding you tomorrow. Number three, God will be guarding you tomorrow. I I love this truth that he gets into verse five. Is this, not only is God securing your future, but God's also securing you. Not only God protecting your future, God's also protecting you today in order that you will receive your inheritance in the future. Now look what he says in verse 5. He says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He goes on to say this and says, Please understand this. And he's writing to these people, obviously, that are suffering and says, Know this, your future is secure. You don't have to worry about your future. Your future is secure. But understand this, God is also going to give you everything you need today. As you walk through difficulty, as you walk through persecution, as you walk through the uncertainty of tomorrow, understand this, that today you have hope because Jesus Christ is guarding you today. This word that he uses, obviously he's speaking of God's unlimited power. Obviously speaking of the power that he resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead, that God is all powerful and God is using that power to guard you. He uses this word to guard. This brings up the word picture of like a a fortified city. Or it brings up the idea of a soldier holding a shield. Uh, I think David gets this picture very well. Listen to what David says in Psalm 28. He says this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I'm helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to Him. 
Did you hear what David said? He says, look, the Lord is my strength and the Lord is my shield. The Lord is the one who is guarding me. The Lord is the one who's protecting me. He is the one that is guarding me today. And the same thing is this. Notice how he guards us. By his power, but also through our faith. It says through our faith that we are being guarded by God's power. It's also this. Our faith in him, but also the presence of our faith is assuring us that God's power is working in us. Meaning this. God's giving you strength to have faith today. God's increasing your faith today. God's empowering your faith today so that you will endure no matter what you face. Don't you love that truth? Look, this is enough. Thank thank you, God, that you're securing my future. But I'm so thankful you're with me to secure me today. That your presence is not just in the future. Your presence is here for me today. You are a shield about me today. And you are guarding me and actually giving me faith even when I don't have it. Why? Because you're guarding me and you're protecting me. Now, many of you know this about me. If you go in my office, you'll see I I enjoy superheroes. Um, My favorite is Batman. And uh, recently a movie came out um, entitled The Justice League. And in this movie, uh, you have all the DC, uh, really the Justice League together, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all the characters. And obviously, as any superhero movie or comic happens... Obviously, evil comes into the world. There's something that's literally threatened the humanity of the world. And obviously, the the heroes, guess what? They step up and they stop the threat. Literally, the world is about to end. People are going crazy. Thankfully for Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, all these guys. Thankfully, the threat is stopped. At the end of the movie, uh, Lois Lane is typing and she's saying some things. And I want you to listen to what Lois Lane says at the end of Justice League. She says this talking about when the evil came. He says, our darkness was deep and was soon to swallow all of our hope. But these heroes were here the whole time to remind us that hope is real, that you can see it. All you have to do is look. Lois Lane says this, there was a darkness that entered. There was a darkness. It was, it was looking like it was going to swallow all of our hope. But the reason why we can have hope and the reason why hope is real is he says because the superheroes were here the entire time. Now, just newsflash for a second, that's fake, okay? So there is no Superman or Batman. That'd be cool if there was a Batman, but there's not. Okay, it's just a comic or a movie. But understand this, the truth is still the same. That literally, no matter what happens in the future, no matter the darkness, no matter the evil that comes in, you have someone that's greater than Superman, that's greater than Batman, greater than Wonder Woman, greater than Aquaman. You have someone that is here to save the day and to give you strength for today, to give you hope for today. And it's not any of these guys, it's Jesus. Uh, many times, actually, in the comic strip, many times uh, Superman is almost like a Christ-like figure because he is this guy that comes to give hope to people. He's fake, but Jesus is real, thankfully. That, that we indeed have someone that comes alongside us, that guards us, that protects us, that gives us everything that we need. That no matter what I face tomorrow, no matter what you face tomorrow, no matter what goes on in our life, you have someone that is here to protect you, someone here to give you everything that you need for today. I've said this before, God has it all figured out, doesn't he? He's securing your future, but he's also giving you everything you need today. That's why you and I can have hope. I know that our... Uh, I said this earlier, you can turn on the TV. I, I know our world seems like it's getting worse. 
It seems like there's more evil in our world today than ever before. There's so many things that take place in our life, and the truth is I have no clue what's going to happen. I have no clue what happens tomorrow in your life. I have no clue what's going to, what tomorrow holds for me. Uh, I don't know whether persecution will begin to come here in America. We've experienced a lot of great freedom. We can come here free today. We don't have to worry about anyone coming in and messing up our day. We don't have to worry about anyone finding out. Is that day going to last forever? I'm not sure. But here's what I know, and here's the truth this morning that I hope you see. Is that tomorrow, no matter what it holds, you have hope because of who holds your tomorrow. That if you know Jesus Christ, if you put your faith and hope and trust in Him, you can have hope today no matter what you face. I believe this. This is what our world is starving for. I love the hymn we sang it earlier, uh, Because He Lives, and he says this in the song. He says, Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future and life is worth a living just because He lives. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I can face tomorrow no matter what it holds. I know life's hard. I know we come into uh, the church acting like everything's okay, and sometimes it's not, is it? Life's hard. Just uh, Friday, I had to preach my grandfather's funeral. Life's hard. There's a lot of uncertainty in our life. There's a lot of difficult things we have to walk through in this life. But you know you can have hope even in the midst of all of that? That's what makes today so special. That's what makes today so awesome. That's what makes the resurrection so joyous is that you can have hope no matter what life brings. You can have hope even in the face of death. That you can have hope because Jesus Christ was resurrected. I hope this morning, look, I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're going through in this life. Here's what I hope you know, that through Jesus Christ, you can have a hope that will never fail you. And my encouragement, my prayer for you is that you would place your hope in the one that you can trust and the one who can secure your future and secure you today. You can have hope today because of Christ. Let me pray.